Dialogues, a show that features narratives from everyday people and their journey towards learning a language. I'm your host, Milo Falcone. Hello, and welcome back to Catnap Dialogues. If I haven't said it enough, I'll say it again. This show aims for diversity and equality, and we also aim and strive to elevate the voices of those who are often not heard, which is why today I have Alexander, a fellow intersex activist from Russia. I hope you guys have fun with this episode. Stay tuned. My name Alexander Bereskin. Yeah. Okay. I'm Russian immigrant, intersex immigrant. Uh, I moved in the United States seven years ago. Seven days ago? Seven, seven. Years. Ah, yes. I'm sorry, I said days. <laughs> yes, days. Just days, yes. It's okay. Uh, and we're uh, an inclusive show, so what are your preferred pronouns? He or them. He or them. Got it. Uh, usually I say I'm from south of Siberia because Russia is a very big country and usually if I say I'm from Russia, people, oh, you're from Moscow or St. Petersburg. I say, mm, no. <laughs> and I mentioned south Siberia because people, oh, Siberia is so cold. I say, well, it depends what kind of, what part of Siberia. Uh, very east part of Russia. Um, How interesting! A lot of, a lot of forest, a wild part of Russia. Um, it's interesting because it started uh, settled in the 17th century, and my native town was founded uh, in 1634, almost the same like New York. Wow! And Siberia at that time it was big colony of Russian Empire. A lot of small tribes live there, like uh, Native Americans, just Native Siberian people. Yeah, um, and the, I was born in a uh, um, town called Novokuznetsk. Uh, it means um, uh, the city of Smith, blacksmith. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, industrial city. It uh, it was brother sister or brother or sister city of Pittsburgh. Here? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Um, because uh, in twentieth century it was a lot of industrial steel fabrics and mines, mines, mines. Coal. Mines? Coal. Yeah, mines, yes. Like coal mines or coal, coal mines? mines? Coal mines, yes. Okay. So ecological situation, it's not good at all. I remember yellow snow. Yikes. Yes. Oh, uh, white rain during the summer. That's can you nice. imagine you go to the street and you can see white rain? Um, dirty pollution, ecological pollution. Uh, city in Russia, the population it's a uh, five hundred thousand people. Also, some people know about Novokuznetsk-based Russian literature, based Russian poet 
Vladimir Mayakovsky and uh, Dostoevsky, who lived there just a couple days. I wanted to know a little bit about how Alex came and how many years he had been here, and also what's his first language. Seven years. Seven years. Uh, so when I immigrated to the United States, first months I lived in Washington, D.C., and then in July 2014, I moved in New York. Um, what's your uh, first or native language? Russian. And what is that? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> what does it? What, what, what do you mean? What is it? It's, I mean, I don't want to... It's like when people say like, oh, you know, somebody speaks Indian and like that's not a real language, you know? Ah, yeah. It's a, it's a real uh, language. We have some dialects, but it's more about intonation. So people who live in Siberia and the far east of Russia, they have a little different intonation if compared with Moscow and St. Petersburg. So people from Russia, they can recognize what from what part of Russia you are. <laughs> East Russia or Western Russia or South of Russia. I guess the same in the United States when you can understand that people from New England or from Texas, because it's a different uh, intonation accent, a little bit. Interesting. I also wanted to know if Alex knew any other language and if he thought he had an accent. And this is what he had to say. Two. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, two years ago, I tried to learn um, Spanish, and it was interesting experience. But when we start uh, in Zoom classes, I understand that I cannot. For me, it's difficult. But anyway, one day I would like to come back in Spanish classes. Oh yeah, I have accent, yeah. <laughs> Another question, what kind of accent I have? Because some people, when they listen to me, they talk to me that, are you from Poland? Are you from East Germany? Really? Yeah. I have, um, maybe, I don't know, but I think I have not very strong Russian accent. Very strong Russian accent, it can be, uh, I like spring. I, I go to street and I see cat. <laughs> it's very hard and air. It's um, like, I don't know, street, spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, my boyfriend sometimes joke with me and he told me, are you sure? <laughs> I said, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Now, I'm not very familiar with their writing or their grammar. So I wanted to ask Alex if he could tell us a little bit more. And this is what he had to say. We have, so Russian like uh, Spanish, it's a gender language. So we have uh, a lot of female and male, even for example, when we talk about sky, okay, not sky, sky, it's um, natural. Um, just a moment. Table, for example, table. In English, it will be eat. In Russian, it, it has um, male gender. Can you give us an example? Um, speak in Russian? I yeah, in Russian and then translate it for us, please. On красивый. So he is, he or it, it, we talk about table. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful table. Sometimes I, for example, when I talk about some animals, uh, 
like like look at your kitty and uh, I ask it is she or he because cat in Russian has um, female gender so it's a reason why I ask not is he or is the first I ask it is she because cat koshka it's a female gender in Russian to say unfortunately i don't know how to say in english um so in english there's a lot of uh time we have just three times past future and present but we have a lot of um different grammatical cases okay in russia we have six six different grammatical cases and it's changed with gender and the time for some for i know for american people it can be very difficult because the, you need to change you think uh, it's a single or plural it's a female or male and is it what time present future or past and what case russian is not gender fluid no no it's, it's very gendered it's very gendered okay it's a problem especially i um uh, as a volunteer for one United Nations program for Indequal, I help with adaptation, Russian translation. And sometimes it's very difficult with non-binary people because we don't have special pronouns for non-binary. We use plural uh, pronoun um, ich, они, them. But in Russian culture, it's very, um, very foreign cultural uh, language practice in uh, there's some discussions okay we need to talk about non-binary people we need to protect them and give them option but at the same times it's a some sort of language colonization and cultural colonization because we use English case in Russian language and it's um, um, how to explain so people can use it, but they feel that it's a foreign, foreign model and foreign language pattern. It's not real cultural pattern. Mm. And it's a reason for some, not for some, for a lot of homophobic and transphobic people say, oh, you use foreign patterns, you use foreign models. It's not about Russia culture, it's something from West countries. Of course, uh, there's a lot of people say, oh, come on, so many words, the constructions from Greek, from uh, uh, Holland, England, yeah. But, yeah, it's a complicated question. And then another moment, some non-binary people in Russia, they use eat as pronoun, but the same because in, in English eat it's something with animal or object. Mm -hmm. It's derogatory. Yeah. When yeah, yeah, yeah. When in Russia it can be connected with some fairy tales names or something else. And some people use also some people create um they use uh gender natural colors, for example, grey purple because gray and purple, uh, gray purple, sierra fialetova, it doesn't have any gender. People, non-binary people try to find different forms how they can use it. To express themselves. Yes. I see. Well, that was interesting. I wanted to ask Alex where he first learned English and this is what he had to say. In the school, in uh, 
Since Soviet Union, we have tradition uh, learn another language, German or English. I choose English. It's interesting. Recently, just two days ago, Russian government decided uh, cancel this tradition. Now there were um, there is no any options to learn English or German in schools. I guess it's uh, of course they explained that uh, it's a lot of time. It's a big pressure for school. Uh, but I think it's more about politician that people stop learn another language and to be connected with information from in other countries. Uh, there's some centers for immigrants uh, with free English classes. I visit a class in library, in public library, and class in Catholic... Um... Catholic charities? Yes, yes. But uh, except that, when I start preparing for master degree, uh, for master degree, I take English classes from English school in Russia, because they work with me with grammar, statistics, writing. The problem with public school, um, public uh, courses on English in public um, library and uh, Catholic charity, um, they give you a lot of conversation and a little bit about grammar and more a little bit about writing and that's a big problem if you for example you don't know english at all okay you can talk and talk and talk and read some materials but how will you know how to write letter for your boss or something else a job application yes job application or resume or application to grad school or yes. college yeah I see. Even writing a check. Yeah. So I think uh, I understand this organization. They provide English that you need to communicate and understand to other people. And for low-income jobs, to be honest. But if immigrant wants something more, no, I'm not sure that it's enough. But in Russian school, there's another problem. Uh, we uh, we learned a lot of English grammar and less communication. And of course, we learn British English, not American English. Can you tell me about the grammar, uh, how you write the spelling? Because from what I've seen, it looks different. It doesn't look like the Roman vocab alphabet that we have. Uh, well, we have some letters that doesn't exist, uh, don't exist in English vocabulary. And uh, yeah, and I know that some American friends like different Russian sh, um, nyusha, sh, sh, sh. or another word like chka, elektrichka, chka. I know one American guy, he loves this word, elektrichka, elektrichka, chka, 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 chka. It means train. It was what? It's a train in Russian. Oh my god, it's not even a sexy word. It's <laughs> no, like, no, no. It's just like... <laughs> Here are some interesting facts about the Russian language. Unlike the Romance languages to the West, the Russian language is pretty distinct in both sound and structure. The Russian script is called Cyrillic or Azabuka, which was developed in the 9th century AD during the first Bulgarian Empire. Now the Cyrillic alphabet has 33 letters, 10 vowels, 21 consonants, and 
two have no sound. It can be written capitals, lowercase, and Cyrillic cursive. Now, as an artist, I thought this fact would be fun. The Russian language has more expressions for shades of blue than any other language. That's because it splits the descriptions into light shades and dark shades. Now, it doesn't mean that Russians have supervisions, but their language appears to be more adept at expressing them. This is fascinating, as some languages don't even differentiate between blue or green. Don't you love language? Here's Alex reciting the alphabet. A, B, V, G, D, Y, 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 G, Z, I, 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 Oh, wow. Well, thank you for doing that. <laughs> I love it. Not all of them are, quote, letters, right? But you yep. have some of the vowels I see are A, E, O, U. Yes, yes. Okay. And then, then there's a letter you sounded like you said you sounded like a sexy cat, like that. Yes. <laughs> what yes. is that one? It's a it's a American R. Rak. I'm I'm just it's my pronounce. Rika. Uh, Rim. All right. I never thought I would the day would come where I would say like, ooh, I like the Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. Well, uh, some gay guys uh, think that Russian accent is very sexy, maybe because it's, uh, I don't know, something brutal, or I don't know. <laughs> Do you want me to edit that? Do you want me to leave it? It's up to you. Okay. I'm okay with this. I, for me, it's, I guess it's a stereotype about Russians, because I knew some gay guys, Americans, who told me, oh, Russians, it's... Uh, could be cold, beach, or very brutal, blah, blah, blah. What if you um, you meet somebody who doesn't have a very uh, pronounceable name or something? <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean, American? No, like Russian name, like you can't say it. Like, how do you, how do you moan something that's not sexy? <laughs> uh, how do you go like, oh, Viroshki? <laughs> <laughs> I understand what you mean. Um, Oh. oh, my dear Virushka, <laughs> you're so sexy. <laughs> you're so, you're so extra. I love it. That's enough for enunciation lessons in Russian. Let's move on and ask Alex what he does for a living. Well, uh, currently, uh, I finished my job as a debt collector for uh, Memorial Hospital for Cancer. Tomorrow will be my last day. It will, it's my part-time job during my master's degree program. It's already finished, and I'm going to move in California for my PhD program in psychology. And I'm looking for a job. Also, I work as a dream co-chair uh, with people. Um, I work with their dreams uh, based on union psychology and uh, some technique with embodying. So work with body and imagination. Now, at the beginning of this interview, I had mentioned that Alex is a fellow intersex activist. So for your benefit, I wanted him to explain to us 
what that means. Provocation. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. I can say that intersex person is a provocation of, na- uh, of culture because we not uh, typically a woman or man. We were born, uh, we have, based on our chromosome, genitalia, organats, we not binary already. So we were, we, um have diversity in our bodies i mean there's of course the definition doesn't mean intersex that it's uh, people who were not born like typical man or woman but for me it's about diversity with the body with body yes and yeah with with body and chromosome we and i think we're very good um approve that all LGBT people can exist because we we exist. We don't choose uh, our body. We already different in uh, when we am uh, our mother's bodies. Yeah, uh, I was an uh, intersex activist. Right now, decide a little bit to be out, maybe because school and other stuff, but. Right now, I'm more interested in intersex uh, refugees and intersex immigrants. Now, remember that this is an inclusive show. And to tag along with Alex, intersex is a condition in which you are born into. Unlike our fellow trans siblings, we focus our work in fighting corrective treatments which include surgeries and really any kind of invasive procedures to quote normalize the individual's body in order to fit into our binary society. But anyhow, going back to the subject of language, I wanted to ask Alex if he had ever felt different for the way in which he spoke. Maybe the more bright moment when I talked with one Russian woman looking for a job in Brighton Beach and I told her, well, I have some English certificates from Russia and she told me, doesn't, it doesn't matter, doesn't care. Nobody care about this here. You need, uh, every, you, you just need know English and speak very well. Doesn't matter, do you have this certificate or don't have it? And I understand that well, yeah, she's right. Right, she's not wrong. Yeah. And which is why you receive classes at Catholic Charities for very basic conversational stuff. Yeah, because I understand that I don't know slang, I don't know, uh, I'm afraid to talk with other people because I'm afraid that my English is very bad. So I'm still thinking about this. Also, later I found information, maybe it's not true, maybe it's some sort of self-medicalization. It's a common issue with for some intersex people. I found that people with client theater operation, I have client theater 47XXY, they have some uh, this cognitive disability to learn in other languages. And I still don't know, is it uh, wrong medical information, like that people with client theater variation, alcoholics and uh, maybe very have very low in, um, not income <laughs> IQ, uh, or maybe it's true. I don't know. 
And every time when I feel that my English is not good or I have difficulties to learn Spanish, I think maybe because I have this cognitive disability. <laughs> or maybe I try to find any evidence, just I don't want to say I'm lazy. <laughs> My American friends, uh, they told me, right now they told me my English became better, but at the time, it's another reason, uh, American very polite people, they never tell you truth. They very, it's, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not good. Because you, you ask them, please, can you help me? Is it, my English is good now or no? No, 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 your English is fine. <laughs> Uh, also, I would like to say that um, Russian syntaxes, it's completely different from English. Uh, when I start to um, learn um, American writing system, in America you like short sentence. In Russia, if somebody reads Tolstoy, they can understand. It's uh, long sentences with a lot of words like that, which, whom and other with a lot of, um, uh, not participate how it calls, um, with a lot of additional grammatic structure. And in Russian it means if more you use this, it's more rich language. When for American English, you need to uh, make your language more structured, more short, more mobile. So it's a different. And the Russian language uh, in some way, maybe I talk from my uh, experience, it has more describing form emotions. But at the same time, we don't have a lot of words for um, everyday stuff. For example, um, I know in English, I just talked with my uh, boyfriend. In English, you have two different words for you have blanket and you have duvet. In Russia, we have just blanket. If we talk about some emotional stuff, some spiritual stuff, we can find a lot of words in the Russian, not this lot of words in English. But if we talk about something furniture or something very practical, the situation different. So for me, sometimes interest is interesting. What what does it mean? Russian doesn't. Uh, the Russian don't care about practical stuff. They care about spiritual more. <laughs> but the same. It's in and another moment. Um, what I figured out uh, when I was intersex activist in Russia, we don't have um, language about sexuality. And about bodies. I was just about to ask you uh, what your thoughts were in terms of terminology in Russian and how is it helpful or not helpful in terms of your advocacy work? It was it was challenged because we have medical language of course and we have very profound language um, part of that uh, criminal part of this very um, uh, offensive and uh, we don't have practice to talk about our sexuality, about our bodies in public. And it's a very intimate culture. It's more about uh, something very shame. We don't need to talk about this. So yeah, in this case, English practice, even how we talk about our intersex experience in English public, it's, uh, it helps a lot. 
uh, to talk about this in Russian. Or yeah, for example, intersex, it uh, definitely comes from medical discourse and from Latin, I guess, in Russian context. Uh, for example, word queer. Uh, people in Russia just use uh, queer, because if translated, it would be very offensive. And what does that translate to? Uh, just for educational purposes. So people usually don't translate because it can be very offensive, like faggot. I see. Okay. When I started my intersex activism in Russia, I remember I made mistakes myself. I talk about intersexuality, for example, intersexed. Uh, yeah, and we still have discussion in Russian community. Should we use some Russian form of word intersex? Even in the United Nations, some translators still use such words like uh, homosexualism, transsexualism, because it's just, it's so tradition using these words. They really don't understand what it really means. As per its custom in the show, I asked my guests what language they feel more comfortable while expressing themselves emotionally or anger, etc. Do you mean when I'm very angry? Yeah. <laughs> It's a good question because when uh, American people use words like badass, fuck, motherfucker, and other stuff, I really don't care. For me, it means nothing. It's just some words, okay, you, so, yeah. But if I translate them in Russian, of course, it can be completely different. So when I'm very angry, I use very bad Russian words. And my boyfriend already knew some of them. Because when, no, not, when I'm not arguing with him, I just, for example, I can be uh, cooking and cut myself in some way, and I can say <laughs> some bad Russian words. <laughs> I mean, if you said it, I guess nobody would be offended because this is an English-based program. <laughs> For example, I can say uh, suka or more um, word like, oh my God, I'm a little shy. For example, I can say pizdets. It means very bad situation right now. Really? Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's not really, quote, a bad word. <laughs> I mean... But I guess it depends on the context, guys. It's interesting about uh, Russian... Um, this Russian uh, bad words because uh, part of them comes from very old pagan uh, religious traditions. And Russian Orthodox Church... Uh, use these words like how you can use these words it means you're pagan paganism you shouldn't use it they ban it so it became very profound language but at the same time all this language connected with genitalia and with uh, different sexual um, rituals with uh, earth or for example fucking somebody It's a sexual act, and it was part of very old religion tradition from ancient, ancient time. Yeah. And finally, I wanted to ask Alex if he had any other remarks 
he wanted to share. Uh, this is stereotype that Russians are very cold people, or I guess it's just protection. Russian people from uh, uh, uncomfortable situation. I'm still surprised. I recently cooked for my boyfriend, Grechnyve Kasha, uh, buckwheat uh, cereal, and he ate it and he really liked it. And I asked him, Are you sure you like it? This? What's happened with you? <laughs> I, I mean, it can be um, buckwheat like uh, Russian kino, uh, or, for example, um, we like Russian kvass, it's a Russian kombucha. Unfortunately, it's very difficult to find here in the United States, real Russian kvass. To wrap up our interview, I wanted to ask Alex if he had any closing remarks. Well, I just would like to say thank you all my Russian friends who support my intersex activism because when I started intersex activism in Russia, it was the first organization and now there's a lot of organizations, not a lot, maybe five, six, but anyway, yeah. Um, and thank you my intersex friends in the United States and other countries because yes, we have barriers in language, but I'm really glad the intersex people talk more about themselves in public and they share their stories and even we translate these stories in Russian, it gives us bright example how we can be brave about ourselves. Aww. <laughs> Who said Russian was cold, was a, was a cold person, <laughs> an evil person? Well, that, you know, stereotypes come from somewhere and I think the only cold thing that are that really it comes from Russian is the weather, not the people. Thank you so much, Alex. You're welcome. This episode was produced by me, Milo Falconi. A really special thanks to my guest, Check out their work on the link below. Music by DJ Young and Sakura. Check more of their work down below. Until next time. <laughs>